to quote, uh, to paraphrase a quote from the great Bill Murray, uh, sir, it is true. This team has no dick. Welcome to the Bacon Warrior podcast. I'm Spartan Dog 97. Lucas is here. Carter is here. And fellas, I don't even want to fucking talk about Saturday. Honestly, I don't really give a shit. Uh, MSU didn't win that game. Purdue lost that game. Matt Painter did what Matt Painter does when the lights are the brightest and the most is on the line. He, uh, he chokes like a, he chokes like a toddler sticking a fork down their throat. So, uh, so let's just talk about last night, shall we? Let's go for it. Um, as I alluded to in the intro and you know, DK's Twitter space last night was out of control. Um, because of because of the last speaker, uh, but uh, one thing DK said, and you know, I think DK is probably the smartest, uh, the smartest basketball mind on MSU Twitter, uh, besides you, Carter, of course. Um, only ahead, I think you're just behind him in terms of oh. like understanding the ins and outs of the game. Uh, <laughs> but he said he said something. For the first time, he said something that I fervently disagree. Uh, I disagree with. Uh, he said this team uh, put in a lot of effort. I could not agree. I I find more common ground. I find more common ground with Trump supporters than I find with that comment. Um, this team put in no effort when when Hunter Dickinson, that limpress motherfucker, is going ham in the paint. And staring you down, walking down the floor like he's staring at like he's staring at the grinder homepage, and you don't do shit to respond. That's dickless. Nia Cloudin has bigger balls than any member of this team. Fuck that. And the fish rots at the fucking head. I'm sick of this shit. I uh yeah, I think we could use a scorer like Nia Cloudin on this team, somebody who can create their own offense. That would probably help. The defense was Hazleton-esque. The offense was Warner-esque. And when you have, and when those two combine, it gets fucking ugly. Yeah, it was a nightmare almost from the beginning yesterday. I mean, that's not a great offensive team. And we were letting guys like Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns look like the Golden State Warriors uh, in 2016. So, um uh, it, it just, I think the worst part about it is just the flat effort they came out with when you could absolutely bury your rival and, and kill any chance they have of getting to the tournament and you just come out like that. I think that's the most embarrassing part about all this. The most embarrassing part is this game didn't even need to be fucking played. No, nope, I said that a couple of times. Izzo could have, Izzo could have given Juwan or Martelli whoever the finger, but instead, because he wants to play anybody, anytime, anywhere, he takes a team 48 hours removed from probably the most physically taxing game of the season. If we're being honest, right. Uh, You know, no spin. There's no spin, no bias that game playing Purdue is physically taxing. And you're going to turn around and shove them on a bus and get them ready to play three games in six days. And then have them come out like that to an arena that's mostly empty 
And of the third of the fans that are in there, half of them are MSU fans. You go out and you lay a fucking egg like that. That's fucking bullshit. That is bushly. And I'm sick of Izzo sitting at the podium post game promising we'll get better. Don't promise you'll get better. Get fucking better. It's February. It's March. We named an entire month after you. And on the first day of that month, you go out and you let Hunter Dickinson sun you. Fuck you. I would I would feel better about him, you know, saying, you know, we'll get better and everything if it was like the beginning of January or maybe like the end of December and they just went through like a, a rough stretch. It's March. The Big Ten tournament is next week. It's a little too late for that. And and it was just a really poorly coached game by Izzo in a lot of ways. I mean, first off, it was the fact that you let a 14-0 run happen before you called a timeout, and that's pretty much what buried you. You know, you never got back into that game or from that point. And then there's the point where you're just – letting Hunter Dickinson go one-on-one with Julius Marble, not playing Bingham for whatever reason. Uh, when he's the only one who has any shot of stopping him, it was heavily Marble and heavily Sissoko, and neither of those guys are going to get anywhere close to guarding him. It's just – is a very clear solution that everyone can see except you, and that's just really discouraging. I think that the the signs of concern are becoming largely more prevalent. Like, like I mentioned, I last night pissed me off. And then you go out and you play, and you still have Dwayne Stevens putting out new lineups, lineups we have never seen, players we have never seen on the floor together. It's March, dude. It's fucking March. By now, you have to know who your eight, seven or eight guys are. That would be like Mel Tucker starting fucking Hamp Faye in the Peach Bowl. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? No offense to Hamp. He's a good kid, friend of the show. But, like, what do you expect? What do you expect when you throw, when you throw that lineup out on the floor? What are you expecting? I don't, I, I don't get it. And... And look, this is my main point I want to get to. This might be this might be a quick pod tonight because I really have nothing to do but rant. <laughs> but rant and rave because I have nothing good to say about this team anymore. I'm done. I can't, I can't, there, I don't have a good thing to say about this team. Saturday was an apparition. It was a mirage. I might as well have been playing NCAA college basketball 06. As far as I'm concerned, that game did not happen. Saturday did not happen. You can lose games in Big Ten basketball. I understand that. You can lose games to Michigan in Big Ten basketball. What you can't do is go out of your way to reschedule a game after they fucking ducked you on the first day of March and then get out there and get sunned and have Hunter Dickinson tweet January, February Martelli after the game. Oh, he did that? He did that? Gutless. Fucking gutless. And it's your fault, Tom. It's your fucking fault. You did this. 
It wasn't Gabe Brown's fault. It wasn't Max Christie's fault. It was your fault. Because this falls on you. The fish rots from the head. Anyone who's defending Izzo and thinks and thinks he deserves more time to figure it out, fuck you. I've we seen don't have any more time. Before. I've seen this movie before. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this again. I'm not giving him, I'm not giving him any more leeway. He's done. Nut up or shut up. Fire Stevens. Fire Wojcik. Bring in young blood. I don't care. If you don't make any changes this offseason, you're rolling over. There's two ways, there's two ways a, a tenure like Kizzo can end. You can end like Coach K, where you have a top 10 team. And, and he you just have won a chance the ACC to make a deep run. Well, the ACC doesn't recognize regular season titles, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, you have the best record in the ACC in the regular season. Or you can go out like Jim Behan, where you're playing your son 35 minutes a game. And right now, nothing has convinced me he's going to go out like Coach K. Because two scholarship spots are still going to be open. That's the most inexcusable part. Sorry. I mean, the staff basically had to threaten to cut his fucking dick off to go get Tyson Walker. What makes you think he's going to fill those two spots after he didn't fill it this year? He's not going to. No, I mean, that's he had a chance to bring in young blood. He brought in a fucking drinking buddy. Wake the fuck up. This isn't changing. This isn't getting better. We're at the end. What I'll say to that point is it would have been really nice um, when Gabe got in foul trouble to have another wing be able to play. But basically the wings are Christy, Brown, Akins, and Brooks, two of those guys are probably not completely ready to contribute a lot on the Big Ten level. And then you have Christy, who has just been really bad for the last month and a half or so. Christy is Gabe bad Brown. because he gets run into the fucking ground. He gets that's why the I'm not dirt. that's why I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not putting a whole lot of it on Christy. I think he's in a really unfortunate position right now just because of the fact that he shouldn't have to have this much weight on his shoulders. A lot of it should be, I mean, it should be Gabe Brown, but he just hasn't stepped up in that manner. But, and Christie has to attempt to uh, cover up a lot of that slack and he just hasn't been able to. And that's through no fault of his own. It's through the fault of the coaching staff. It's through the fault of Izzo who didn't add people who were ready to contribute at the wing spot through the portal. And what should I, and you know, what, what should convince me to believe that he'll do it this off season, even though he's probably losing Bingham, Brown, and Hauser. So I don't, I, I don't know. The crazy thing is, is Izzo made the worst possible choice to get the worst possible position to pull from the portal, right? Wings, are, wings in college basketball are essentially plug and play. Even in an offense as, even in an offense as, as complicated as Izzo's, right? Yep. So, and you go out and you get a guy who who you basically hand who you basically hand a fucking you basically hand a guy a Bible and go start at Genesis one one and read all the way to the end of Exodus or Revelations whatever the last fucking book in the Bible is. You're setting yourself up to fail. What are you doing? I to anyone who look. Am, do I think? 
do I think Izzo's done? No. But I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie before with an MSU coach. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to go through it again. So if that means ripping the Band-Aid off early, then it's going to be what it has to be. And letting, letting him go out his own way, if this is going out on his own terms, then he doesn't deserve to go out this way. Because he set the state when you set the standard for a program and you're performing below those standards, you are no longer worthy of the program you set the standard for. And what are- the defense is Izzo still recruiting well. Well, we still don't have we still don't have the depth. There are two scholarship spots that are still going to be open, maybe more. There will be, and we're only bringing in two freshmen, and Trey Holloman and Jackson Kohler can be really good. But if you're going to run those guys into the ground or not develop them or throw them in or throw them in crazy lineup combinations so they don't develop chemistry, then you might as well just go out and get Ohio two stars. Pretty much. I mean, that's one of the things that like I feel like is not a parallel to um, the late stage D'Antonio's is that the late stage D'Antonio recruiting it was in the ground, was in the absolute gutter. Uh, the, the recruiting for Michigan State and Izzo is still, still at a high level, so the cupboard won't be left bare for whoever the next head coach is. I just hope that head coach is not already currently on the staff. Otherwise, if that's the case, I'm going to feel really bad about the next, I don't know, decade or so of Spartan basketball because nobody on the staff knows what they're doing. Outside of Izzo, nobody on the staff knows what they're doing. The entire staff should be sent to Guangdong with Gabe Brown. Get them all pocket Mandarin to English dictionaries and drive them to DTW yourself and tell them ni hao and push them through the gates and get the fuck back to East Lansing and find replacement because this staff is dead. This staff is dead. There's no, there's no recovering from the last two seasons. And, you know, I was willing to give last season a pass, right? Just like I was willing to give um, 2016 a pass, right? For, for D'Antonio. And I hate to harp on this comparison, but it's just, it's, it's boggling my mind. We even have the same stupid assholes who defended D'Antonio to the death defending Izzo. Izzo doesn't need defending. He's in one of the most secure positions in all of college athletics. He's not a marginalized. He's above criticism. He's not Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not gonna be the type to say, oh, it's March, Izzo will get it figured out. What what evidence do we have of that with this team? We don't have any. And, you know, I think this team is going to be a quick out in the tournament. I don't see them winning more than one or two Big Ten tournament games, and I don't see them winning their first-round matchup because it'll probably be an 8 or 9 or a 7-10, and they will be on the lower half of whatever seed line they get. There'll be a nine, there'll be a 10. They won't be a seven, they won't be an eight. I don't think so. Something's got to change. It's very clear after these past two years that something does have to change. Like something that was working is now not. And I think that that comes from the coaching staff. 
I think the only assistant I'd keep is Mike Garland. Um, I'm not entirely sure what he does, but uh, I know it's not lineups or player development because whoever's involved with those type of things needs to go because you, you, we have guys like, I mean, we have guys like we, we, we've kind of been having the same conversation like every pod for the past like four weeks, but I mean, yeah. nothing's changed. So nothing's changed. So we'll keep having it. Um, you have Sissoko who came in as a, like a top 30, 40 recruit and he looks like he doesn't know how to play basketball. That's concerning. He looks like Bambi. He looks like Bambi trying to stand up on ice every time he's out on the floor. You have Hogard, and Hogard's at least shown something. I I think that next year he's going to have a a good season. Uh, You have. I think Hogard's developing in spite of the staff. I actually think so too. You know what I think it is? It's because he's kind of doing his own thing on the court. If he was, if he was not taking matters into his own hands, he'd look like another Tyson Walker out there. Looks like he'd be scared to do anything because a lot of the, the guys on the team, what we see is they are scared to make anything happen. They're scared to put the ball on the floor and take it to the basket. They're scared to shoot when they're open. And I think that's just because they're afraid to make mistakes. Now, I don't know why that's Because Izzo knows because Izzo will pull them. Izzo will pull anyone on that team because he's not afraid of throwing out 40 lineups a night. So, you know, if I'm Joey Hauser and I already lost my starting role and I have an open three, am I going to take it? Or am I going to try to get the highest percentage shot possible? I'm going to try to get the highest percentage shot possible, except the guy who was now five feet off of you now collapses into you and you take a contested shot and get pulled anyway. That's what it turns into is I've never seen a team pump fake threes more than this team pump fake wide open shots. The only guy who was willing to shoot yesterday was Jaden Akins. He was the only one. Because he and had nothing to lose. He and can't that's, get yeah, any and that's less playing time. It's frustrating because when a freshman is the only player who's willing to try to make anything happen, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about what you're going to do for the rest of the season. I think most people have mentally checked out with this team and I'm starting to get there too. The team's mentally checked out as well. You can tell that they're just not there anymore. I mean, they wait until there's like nine or 10 minutes left in the game to actually start playing and the game's completely out of hand. So they've given us nothing to work with. Well, at least the Purdue game, you know, I think pretty much made sure we're not playing in the first four. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with SD that that was definitely more of a, a, a Matt Painter loss Yeah, than us winning because, I mean, they're significantly more talented than Michigan State is, but Michigan State hung around because. And Matt Painter knows what to do with his players. If Zach Eady was wearing green and white, he would be the same as Sissoko. Izzo wouldn't know what to do with a player like that. Zach Eady is terrible. He, I mean, he's bad, but he fucking eats. I just don't – it's just so annoying that – that it's just so annoying that people are, like, not willing to acknowledge the situation we're in, right? I Again, I don't – I the sky, the sky isn't falling, but the clouds are getting lower. The clouds, it's starting to fog up. So to think that to think that Izzo 
to think that Izzo was suddenly going to change his ways and hit the portal hard and go after and fill those two scholarship spots when he had an opportunity to last year, he didn't. Right. And to, and to finally like, and to finally stop white knuckling, white knuckling the lineups and pulling and pulling kids when they make mistakes and to light up and to be able to light a fire under these guys' asses, then I, I don't know. I have oceanfront property in Iowa to sell you. I, I just, I don't, I don't fucking, I don't know what to tell you, dude. I, I, it's tough for me to talk about it. And I, I mean, I stopped doubting him after 2015, what he did with that team. And then, you know, 2016 happened, but that's kind of an anomaly. But um, I think what's going to make me nervous, and I was talking to Combo about this earlier, um, what's really going to make me nervous is if we get to the offseason and he does change up the staff, but he just reshuffles guys. Like, that'll be know, the that'll be the that'll be the day warner. That's that's a telltale sign. Like, cause you know, that will instantly make us all think of Dave Warner and you know being moved, and then uh, Brad Salem becomes the OC. And it pretty much was the same shit. That'll be the that'll be the blinking moment. That's what'll yep. go off when people are like, yep, this is this the is red alert. Good. The red alert, this like the cooked. panic button. The panic button will happen. It's cooked. And he has to actually cut ties with guys. Like, yeah, if, if he, like, lets go of Wojcik, Steve, okay, no, I, I'm, and, like, Combo and I kind of agreed with this, or agreed on this, and um, he said, you know, I said to him, look, I think we all know deep down what's probably going to happen. I think Nothing. we all know we do. it's, it's going to be Stevens, and I'm not going to, I'm going to give him a chance. And I'm not, I, he doesn't deserve it. As much as oh. I don't want to, oh, no. I, I want to give him a chance. And, but, you know, I'm. what's sad is whoever is a successor to Tom Izzo has a ginormous amount of expectations to live up to. Of course. The, who's the, the guy man who filled, filled in Michigan State basketball? Yeah, John Shire has huge shoes to fill. Oh, man. Uh, the guy Hubert who replaces Davis. Hubert yeah. Davis has big shoes. It's been a rough year for him. Whoever, yeah. And they're turning a corner. They're getting yeah. better. North Carolina is not the same team they were four weeks ago. Well, he's going to recruit. I think Michigan. I think Michigan State is worse than they were four weeks ago. Honestly, this team is. I think they are too worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely. I mean, you can look at whoever replaces whoever replaces Bayheim had big shoes to fill. Tom Izzo himself had big shoes to fill when he took over for Heathcote. And Judd appointed him the successor because Judd won the national title and he got that clout to to say it and but Izzo was 30 Izzo was in his 20s right. late 20s early 30s I mean, Stevens is what 50 he's in his 50s he's in his mid to late 50s I think right Who's that? And, and like oh yeah and like Graham Couch is you know he's Graham Couch it kind of calms me down sometimes but like I listen to him because you know it gets brought up every week almost like who's going to succeed Izzo and he's like he thinks it's Dwayne Stevens. I mean, he's Graham Couch is as plugged in as anybody, and you know, well, more than Solari, who that was whole that was funny with the embargo shit. But um, you know, Couch has a or yeah, Couch has a level head, Graham Couch. Um, but 
you know, he, I think he's, he's right. You know, it's going to be Stevens and, you know, he said, I'm not sure how he's going to handle it. Like, cause he said, he doesn't really talk to media much, which really isn't his job, but he's like, he doesn't really talk to us much. You know, he's not like one of the passionate vocal people like Izzo is. And it'll be a wasted five years of MSU basketball. It'll be, it'll be a, it'll be the dark ages. It'll be the dead wings era of MSU basketball. I hope Haller Haller can pull the plug sooner rather than later if it happens, if if it goes down that road. That's what I was going to say is I hope Haller uh, intervenes. If I'm Haller, I would be like, look, we'll sign you as the head coach. You know, Tom Izzo, we're going to respect his wishes, but I'm telling you, if it's two years and you're not doing anything. Two years is too late. He shouldn't be employed right now. Today. I agree, but you know damn well. Izzo's going to get to name a successor, and it's going to be Dwayne Stevens. Yeah. You know that's what's going to happen. Like Thanos, he's inevitable, man. It's going to happen. And I've accepted it, and it's, it's depressing to think about, and I hope it works out. I'm not optimistic, but I just had to say that. Like, I just – I think that – and especially I think it's going to happen if he just does the coaching shuffle. Like, we see the helmet shuffle at Spartan Stadium. It's just going to be – Plopping Wojcik somewhere else, plopping Stevens somewhere else, etc., and seeing if it works. Like throwing shit to a wall, see what sticks. And we all are in agreement. There, there needs to be a youth movement, and that's what Beeline did. He, 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 he got not necessarily youth, but like he got new assistants in there because Fresh John, eyes. John Beeline wasn't eyes. winning shit at Michigan until he understood you have to play defense in the Big Ten, and then he skyrocketed. He, I mean, they were, you know, they were, um, they were what, five, ten, five minutes away from a national title? Yeah. The first time. Second time they got boat raced. But, like, yeah. you know, he realized it because I think his tenure at Michigan would have been a lot shorter if he just realized or just relied on shooting the three ball and calling it good. But the Big Ten isn't really changing, but it seems like Izzo doesn't want to evolve it like he did with his defense when he first came on the scene and when he first blew up you know when when he like you know 10 years ago this guy's going to all these final fours and now we only have two in the last 10 years and you know that that's something that what's funny is you know we're mediocre right now and like 90 percent of programs in college basketball would kill to be where we are like still making the tournament that that's how that's how funny we are as a fan base that like we are just not used to this type of mediocrity and every and most of the other fan bases are like, hey, that's pretty good. I take it. <laughs> See, and 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 Lucas, that this this isn't like a I'm not saying it's okay. You. I'm not saying it's yeah. okay because that uh, I hate that argument. Right? If Saban went eight and four two years in a row, he would be gone. <laughs> like, like they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even give him a, they wouldn't even give him a bouquet on the way out. Expectations are different at different programs. At Michigan State, the expectation is routinely making Final Fours in field and competitive teams. And that's what I was saying is that we're not used to this. You know, we're we're panicking over it, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting really nervous. We all, I think we all are, you know, like Carter has been more calm than we both, than you and I have Spartanock for sure. Like Carter has been kind of like the guiding light a little bit, 
And, you know, Combo is too, you know, Combo, I love Combo, but he seems like he, he gives Stevens quite a bit of leash. And it's like, we can't afford that. We can't afford that in MSU basketball because as much as we don't like it, Michigan could, could, could propel back to being better than us very quickly. If, if you're not constantly, if you're not constantly elite in college, it's not like it, college sports. If you're not constantly elite in, in the conversation for being a top program in college athletics, it is so goddamn hard to bring it back. The only reason Mel Tucker was able to turn it around as quick as he did was because there was still just, just enough residual residual notoriety from MSU for those peak Antonio years for right. him to be able for him to be able to kind of for him to be able to get people to buy in early and hit the transfer portal hard. Okay. It if if we if Hollard lets Dwayne Stevens choke away all that goodwill, especially in college basketball, the window's even smaller, right? Because the guys aren't here for three years. The really elite guys are here for one. And pretty soon, the super elite guys may not even play college basketball. Right. So it's, it, it's just, it, I don't know. I, I'd like to, I, I just want Izzo to take some goddamn accountability. I just want him to say it's on me, right? I don't want you to blame your senior leadership because you put those seniors in leadership positions, right? I don't want, I don't want him to blame, uh, right? Gabe Brown wasn't made captain by Fanbo. He probably would have won anyway, but he wasn't made captain by Fanbo. Mm-hmm. You made Gabe Brown captain. So, I don't know. I just, you know. It's unnerving. It, it is. It's unnerving. It's frustrating. It, you know, it, you know, when you put so much, you know, fans put so much time and effort in us, you know, where we, where we watch games day after, where we watch game in, game out. You know, so we can discuss and bring and bring a fan perspective to what's going on. And we just gotta fucking and we have to deal with this. Right. Right. At least with the Lions, I can check out when they're awful. At least with Manchester United, I can check out when they're awful. <laughs> I can't do that. You know, the Pistons, the Wings, the Tigers. When they're bad, I'm out. I don't care. I I'll watch some games if I'll watch some games. I'll put some games on a second screen, or you know, if t- if I get handed tickets, I'll go to a game. But if they're bad, I, if they're bad, I they are out of sight, out of mind. For MSU, I am in. It's tough. Yeah, I owe this school. I owe this school twenty eight fucking thousand dollars. Me too, probably. Yeah. Carter and I owe MSU so much money. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I have a history degree, so my ROI isn't that great, but you know, I, I at least want to have an enjoyable athletic experience. And I didn't have it with the end of the Antonio era. And I'm not having it right now. I mean, go, go ahead, Carter. Go ahead. Go ahead. I am hoping Izzo adds some new 
blood to the assistant pool. And I hope it's someone who will challenge him with his offensive playbook, because I know the system that is always run for the last 25 years or however long he's been here. Um, was it 20, 26, something like that. Um, it needs some upgrading, I think, because this team becomes goes, they have stretches where they're just offensively inept for, you know, four or five minutes and they just can't score. So I would like for somebody else to kind of help us find something else. Um, also, does anything feel more inevitable this off season than, than Izzo adding Tom Crean to the staff when he inevitably gets canned at, 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 a, at a Georgia? Oh, yeah. Dwayne Stevens, Dwayne <laughs> Stevens will become head coach. Dwayne Stevens will get the Western job and he'll be replaced with Tom Crean. I nothing oh. like, like I feel it, like I feel it down in my plums. I, these <laughs> so juicy, I could take them to market. I just, I, you're right. I mean, it's just like again, is going to join the staff. Yeah, no, you're right, and they're not going to add anybody in the portal. Nope. They're not gonna, they're not going to pick up any extra recruits, and we're going to live. And we're going to live in an era where if <clears throat> this where season if, where becomes Gene, the norm, right. This season becomes the norm. We, we're going to next season is going to be one where if Jane Aikens picks up his second foul in the first half, he's going to sit for the rest of the game. And Davis Smith is going to have to, and they're going to have to throw Davis Smith out there in order to, in order to, in order to kind of wait until the second half. No offense to Davis Smith. I'm sure he's a good kid. He is. But, he's yeah. a good friend, a brother, of family. Yeah, he's, you know, I'm sure he's great. You know, no offense to him. But, you know, that's <laughs> we're going to have to throw walk-ons to – we're going to have to throw in walk-ons because Jay Nakins is two fouls, and you didn't go bother to go get any wings in the portal. And you didn't bother to go get any senders in the portal. So now nope. we have to – now you have to pray that – Maddie Sissoko decides to take some of Hogarth's spite and develop <laughs> and develop despite the staff, not because of it. You have to hope Marble doesn't hit the portal. It you just have to, which I don't know why Marble would hit the portal. He's the starting center on a at a power five program. That's he's not gonna get that anywhere else. That's kind of where we are. Julius Marble is going to go into next season as our starting center. How uninspiring is that? And off your bench, you have maybe Sissoko, who I think they should tell to hit the road, but they probably well, won't. Because they don't have the uh, depth and they don't want to hit the portal. And then they and then they will have Jackson Kohler, who will be talented, but a freshman. And get eaten alive and ruin his confidence. Yep. Not, yep, not athletically up to par with some of the centers in the big 10 and then a little slow footed on defense. And that's just not going to work. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a, I'm sure there'll be a healthy dose of, of good centers in the portal that will just say cares and then <laughs> run with what we have. <laughs> and then this season will become the norm. That is my worst Nightmare, and it feels like that's where we're headed. Feels bad, man. Yeah, this 
This is just the, the this whole podcast has been bad vibes. Thank God this for was like pulling teeth. Yeah, tuck 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 do be coming. The grind uh, doesn't stop for Mel Tucker, man. It, relentless, you know the chop the chop life ain't for everybody. It's apparently not for Tom Izzo. So, but you know when if whenever this ends for Izzo, you know we just have to remember we could, you know, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. You well, know, yeah, there's a lot I, of good it, memories. If it goes any further, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> yeah. Um, live, laugh, love. You know. Um, I gather around the table. We're all family here. We're all family here. My now I could say it since we're in the trust tree, and I said it on Twitter. I didn't watch the Michigan game. We're just going to transition, just because we could keep going in circles about MSU hoops. I uh, I was one of the select few in America, out of a couple million probably, to watch the Batman last night. Um, fellas, if you're going to watch it. Be prepared. It's fucking awesome. I'm going Friday. I'm seeing with my family. And then Saturday, I'm going to IMAX. I'm seeing it in IMAX. I went to <laughs> IMAX last night because Cassie fucking hates IMAX. Which I, whatever. How, how do you hate IMAX? She doesn't. Well, it, it's because, you know, every movie theater now has like the nice reclining seats and the big chairs. Oh, um, the, I, the IMAX theater near you doesn't? No. Does it near you? Yeah. My AMC. Oh. Yeah, the AMC, which is the only IMAX theater around me, they put in the recliners. Damn. Yeah, it, it Celebration Cinema and, and Portage uh, is a little... Every other theater has recliners, but the, the IMAX does. And I think because it's like 15 20 bucks a ticket, they want to maximize their investment. Um, it was really fucking good. Um, I'm still digesting it. I think it's really close to The Dark Knight. And I hold The Dark Knight as like one of the best movies ever made. And, you know, our Pat, you know, Pat, Pat Man, he was really fucking good. But I'm telling you, Paul Dano just grand slam out of the out of the park. Like uh like the Jose Bautista gif. Bat flip. The Joey Bat flip gif. That's what he did with this role. Yeah, I mean, uh, my uh, my aunt and uncle also went to a screening last night down in Florida, mm-hmm. and they both said it's the best Batman movie they've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm partial to Dark Knight for obvious reasons. We all know I'm a huge Chris Nolan fan, and wait, you are? <laughs> yeah, you never mentioned it on the pod before. I, I even read a book this past week about Chris Nolan and. Um, <laughs> Carter, this might be a, Lucas. You're not going to get this joke, Carter. You might. Uh, Lucas picked up a copy of Who Is Christopher Nolan. You remember those biography books where it's like the cartoon portrait guy on the front? Hold on, I got to share my screen and pull it up. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you disabled screen sharing? I did. God damn it! Anyway. Uh, not I didn't know it. I must have just. It must be a setting. Oh but yeah, no. I'm I'm very excited um, for. I'm very excited for for. I'm go, I'm very excited to see. It. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, everything I've heard about this movie is sounds like everything I've ever wanted out of a Batman movie. Um, it's a detective I saw, movie. Yeah, I saw Robert Pattinson in Good Time, and I'm like, oh yeah. 
Like, I, I didn't I like was that bought movie, in. but I realized he could act, so I'm like, okay, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. Uh, you see the lighthouse? The lighthouse is nuts. It's one fucked up movie, man. I like I sat upstairs and watched it because Cassie had her friends over, and I'm like, oh, watch it since she didn't want to. I'm like, I just stared the whole time, like dumbfounded, like what did I watch? <laughs> like movies. Just, that shit's crazy. Oh, it got it got wilder and wilder, like balls to the wall crazy. Um, fucking mermaids and shit. And Zoe Kravitz is really good as Catwoman. Um, better than Anne Hathaway, which I don't think that's a high bar. I don't think she was very good in Dark Knight Rises. I don't. Here's a hot take. I don't think Anne Hathaway is a very good actor. She has her moments. I don't. I don't. I really don't. I really haven't been. There's not one thing I've seen Anne Hathaway in where I'm like, you know, there's no way Reese Witherspoon could do this role better. I mean, there is a really good Anne Hathaway movie for the wrong reasons. Uh, Love <laughs> and Other Drugs. Yeah. Uh, the entire movie. Well, and well, I don't acknowledge Love and Other Drugs well, because, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. <laughs> Fuck Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Uh, no, but Zoe Kravitz was really good. Um, you can definitely tell her and Pattinson have like some real chemistry, like not just move. It felt a little different when they were when they were close to each other. Um, Zoe Kravitz, I'm convinced Zoe Kravitz uh, could have sexual chemistry with the box of cereal. So <laughs> I watched. Uh, you know, she was in that series adaptation of High Fidelity. Okay. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, on Hulu last year. Yeah. She fucking crushed that shit. So I had no doubt. I had no doubt that she was, you know, that's where that's where I realized that, like, yeah. Like Zoe Kravitz, yeah. Zoe Kravitz could read the phone book and I'd probably come in my pants. <laughs> well, no, it was it it's three hours, but it doesn't feel like three hours. Like I had to go pee and I was like, man, I really want to hold it. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna miss, but I'm like, fuck it. And I'm like, okay, it's probably only an hour in. And then I looked at the clock out, out in the lobby and it was two hours in. So I'm like, okay, I got an hour left. Um, yeah, it flowed really well. You I mean, there's not really an after credit scene. I'm not spoiling it. There, There is something at the credits, but I mean, if you got to leave, a, huh? Is it a Joker laugh? No. I'm good. Then I'm good. Um, Joker is not in the movie. I, I'm being 100% honest. Here, I'm not I, fucking around. He's not in the movie. Like there were rumors. I, I believe that, you. I believe you. I believe you. I there were rumors, not, but he's not. I was. I wasn't. I'm not calling bullshit. I was just. Uh, how, I'm really curious. How was Colin Farrell? <laughs> um, he was having fun. He was having a good time. That's all I want out of Colin Farrell. Honestly, I just want Colin Farrell to have a good time. He was literally the inarticulate Italian noises meme. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, that's a, he was, he's he's not in it a ton, but when he is, like it's it's the coolest part of the scene. Um, yeah, I don't think it was an accident. They made him look like uh, Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano and Vito <laughs> Corleone had like a had like a weird had a weird toilet baby. They're they're setting him up for for the other movies for sure. Like that's not giving anything away. I mean, it it really is setting him up for for future movies. Um, you know, there, there is shit that happens in this movie, but like it could be on its own and I'd feel pretty content with it, like being left alone. But 
this movie's going to make a fuck ton of money. It's getting such good reviews. I mean, and I think they've already said a sequel's coming within the next five years. So it's, as long as they keep these guys doing it, like Matt Reeves directing it and all that, this, okay, this could end up being better than the whole Nolan trilogy. Could be. But, you know, Chris Nolan's a, uh, my brother, you know, my family. Partner. My partner. My partner. <laughs> We're birthday buddies, so it's really tough for me to, but I gave it, I, I give Dark Knight 100 out of 100 just because, you know, I was 21 when it came out, so it was very formative years for me. You know, I was still a virgin, you know, great times for me. Um, but uh, I give that 100 out of 100, and this I'm going 95. It might change. You know, I'm going to Saturday to see it again. Um, but yeah, it was fucking awesome. I recommend it if you like it. It's, it's uh, like Jeffrey Wright says in one of the interviews for the movie, it's cinema. And, uh, and like Martin Scorsese says, cinema for real. Um, you've seen that meme, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I figured it'd end on a good note with something good going on around here. Uh, I don't I'm know. So, you guys I'm so excited. Uh, Got no. anything going on this weekend or week? Uh, well, so programming note. Oh, yeah. Uh, I probably won't be here for the inevitable basketball post-mortem after they get bounced round one Ooh. um i will be at a wedding um overseas where at dubai so hopefully um you know hopefully russia doesn't get too crazy about airspaces right um so <laughs> uh well, you you should you should um your the wedding's actually for those who don't know the wedding's in the towers that they filmed uh, Furious Seven in. That's true. They they built. <laughs> uh, they're gonna say I do as they reenact the stunt where they jump from the one building to the other. So like that's gonna be. Um, they're gonna like tie down the officiant to the hood of the car. I don't know. It's like a. It's an Indian wedding, so I don't know what an. I don't know like what an officiant in an Indian wedding is called. But they're going to strap whatever he is. They're going to strap him to the hood of a car. And as they're like driving from one building to the other, that's when they're going to say, I do. And share their first kiss as husband and wife. It's a great tribute to a, to a great movie. Um, yeah. So that's what, two weeks from now? Yeah. So yeah. I won't be here for the uh, MSU loss in the first round. Carter and I will get someone on for sure. We'll get someone on to join us while in the misery or. Never know. You never know what might happen. Um, well, come on, Spartan fan. <laughs> Join us in the man cave, SF. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, I can't find the gift, Spartan Dog, but uh, when he showed that man cave picture, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons when it's a flashback of like Homer and Marge going to look at the house on Evergreen Terrace? And Homer looks at like the, the living room and he fantasizes like, a cardboard box and the TV and like a one chair. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought of with, with... no, it, it's like it, it it reminded me of that meme, like every dude's apartment, and there's one lazy boy, and then like a and then like a 32-inch TV on a stand. <laughs> that is ideal living. Yeah, it's yeah. efficient. I don't need pictures. That's what my phone is for. That's what Instagram's <laughs> for. Why do I need pictures on a wall? I have them all in my pocket. I know. Um, 
Okay. All right. I think that's a good spot to end it. All good? All good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we play Ohio State tomorrow night, and then is our next game Sunday, Maryland? Yep. Sunday versus Maryland. Sunday versus Maryland. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Whatever. Nihau Gabe Brown. We finally get to say Nihau Gabe Brown. on and, All right. We'll talk to you next week. Um, go green. Go white. Talk comment. Go white. We suck, but it's still March.